Uh, hey, everybody, this is Perch. I'm here with Steve Scrooge. How are you doing? Hanging in there, Perch. Excellent. Excellent. No <laughs> uh, I'm very excited to talk to you. I've, I've uh, you've, you've been in, in comics for, for quite some time, and I remember uh, selling your comics kind of really early on as some of the stuff you did um, with uh, the Clyde Barker bit uh, back in Marvel. Okay. And all the way back. But you have an amazing, and then I was uh, a big fan of kind of your recent work uh, on uh, We Stand on Guard and some of these other books. So, Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to talk about the whole bit with you. So thank you very much. Oh, you betcha. Um, so having me. Oh, no, of course. I, I uh, well, I mean, jump right in. So, so you have a book out. I mean, I'll start the, the today first. You have a book out right now with Image. Coming up tomorrow is the second issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the first issue was great. What, what, what's the basis behind that book for people who haven't heard of it? How, what, what do they need to know? Well, it's called Post Americana and it's kind of a futuristic, uh, post apocalyptic story, not dystopian. Uh, so it's like, you know, essentially uh, America's oligarchs have hit, uh, hit, uh, hit out in this super government bunker, which is essentially like uh, more or less a, a resort. And uh, while the world has gone to hell outside, they've kind of sort of carried on in this uh, super advanced uh, uh, kind of gated community. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, decades past, uh, it was supposed to be built for... Uh, you know the heads of state, and uh, but they never made it on uh, you know um, doomsday, and so yeah, so it's just these oligarchs, and so they just kind of sit around for eighty years until one of their own decides that it's time to go out and um, reclaim the American wasteland. Um, there's this char character called uh, Nathaniel Hawksworth who is sort of this names himself president, and um, kind of uh, what you find out is he's really he'd spent time in the wasteland and has come back kind of a, a charismatic psychopath Holly <laughs> and his plan is just to kill everything and pave over it uh, extract people with talents for his own purposes and then just kind of create uh, you know sort of a, a new super pure curated uh, uh, America and then world and he runs into a uh, wasteland girl and her tribe of people were sort of protectors of uh, innocent people. And so they're, they're wiped out and she's kind of sent on this new path for, of revenge. And there's kind of this uh, uh, insurgent cell within the, uh, the, uh, the super bunker. And uh, they're trying to stop this president from all this uh, crazy murder and stuff. And, <laughs> and I had no idea anything happening in the news was going to come out uh, yeah. I mean, you, you, oh, weird, man. it's you know, the timeliness of this. It's like I'm thinking I'm sitting around going, I, don't know, I should find a different way to explain this. But I mean, that's the story. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, the parallel parallels are weird. Um, it was supposed to come out much earlier, but I went off and I worked on the fourth Matrix movie. And right. uh, yeah, it's just a strange, strange time. So. But yeah, really, it's not. It's less about right now, and its influences come more from, um, you know, I'm 47, so I grew up in the 80s and the Cold War, and uh, the post-apocalyptic genre was there to frighten me when I was a kid with the Road Warrior and Mad Max, and you know, um, mm -hmm. Damnation Alley, and uh, what's this, what's that one? So and so and his dog, starring oh. Don Johnson. What's that called? Yeah. 
I, I know what you're talking about. See, I'm, I'm the same age as you. Anyway, there's like all these things that kind of feed the DNA of, uh, of my thing. Yep. And so that's kind of what I leaned on for a lot of those influences uh, for this. And then, I don't know, it kind of feels like the stuff in it that feel like I'm talking about right now. I feel like uh, to lesser and greater degrees, we're always kind of dealing with those things, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've read the first issue and, and loved it. I, I think it's off to a great start. Um, but and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it feels like right now in the sense of the the exact current events. I mean, it does feel like this just general fear of of what can happen when things run amok and and if there's uh, uh, kind of this the the themes are, are more universal. I, I think, but yeah, fascism and government. Uh, I don't know is kind of center stage right now, and so we've I've kind of got. You know, and uh, yes. Anyway, it was a. It's a weird. The timing of it is is strange, but yeah. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't categorize it as a political book of our times. It's it's more of a. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to. What I was trying to do. I mean, it's got. It's it's also. I have a lot of humor in it. That's kind of yeah. the approach. Uh, it's it's more of a love love letter to that genre than anything else, and and pop culture. As as issues carry on, you start to meet other weirder characters. Uh, you know, right now, in the first couple issues, I kind of lean into the, the best shows. We're going to meet some uh, 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 crazy cannibal tribe in the next issue. Um, there's going to be some crazy action there. But ultimately, we're going to meet a bunch of other crazy characters like the the lost IP of Wonder Studios is uh, something that's coming up, which I don't think it's really been in a post-apocalyptic story. It's, it's basically some kind of, uh, you know, super corporate um, entertainment company that... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for our future they all the ip characters around their studio have been you know uh, embodied by robots and droids right for yeah. so these guys have sort of survived while everything else around them has, has died and so we're going to get a character called uh, night terror who uh, looks like kind of a, a very angry 90s superhero uh, that we'll find out is really a robot and uh a security robot for this this uh, Wonder Studios place is still existing, and there's kind of this uh, matriarch, this woman who uh, has survived, you know, the, along with all these robots in this place. He's kind of lost, lost misfit toys, really. Mm -hmm. And no, I, I love it. I, I mean, and there's some obvious parallels to Disney <laughs> and some. Well, you you pick any gigantic corporation that all the characters, you know. But it's none of those. <laughs> none of those. I'm just. I'm picturing myself uh, a world where the world is as in a post-apocalyptic world and and wandering through Disney World. <laughs> the the uh, small world ride is still there to torture you somehow. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Where we'll we'll meet the uh, you know this character who created all of this, who's sort of the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby rolled into one. It's uh, it was sort of a fun idea. You don't often in other you know sort of. Uh, storytelling ventures and like Stephen King will often put writers in his books and right um, but no one does that too often with cartoonists so I did that I, I had this funny idea I thought so you'll meet this character later called Cromwell Leviticus Akamoto who uh, created all these characters uh, you know he's dead now but we sort of get a little bio moment of him and all of his creations so hopefully that'll be fun so how uh what's the how how long is this do you, do you have a in i mean how long is this series uh this one's going to go to about the seventh issue okay and then I'll have, that'll have a complete ending i mean there's room for more stories I, I tried to i did another book a fantasy book called maestros a few years ago and yes i like to have 
there's more ideas, but just as a comic book consumer, I do like the idea of being able to get a full, complete meal by the time you get to that sixth issue or whatever. Yeah. I like an arc that feels like, oh, you know, you have some, you're on a adventure and it concludes and you feel, I'm going for hopefully, uh, you know, it feels satisfying at the end of those six issues and you don't feel like there's space for more, but it didn't have to run for 30 issues to feel like it was the full story. I think you can always kind of tell a story when the writer has an endpoint in mind and, and they, they, they've got a completed story. Maybe it grows or shrinks a little bit, but there, there is a destination as opposed to a story that's just kind of treading water indefinitely for however long the company will let it go. And I, I think stories that have an, an end that are in mind, or at least a complete story in mind, seem to do a lot better. And that's, that's why I've noticed your books always seem to have that conclusion that you can the go last few, Yeah, the last few I've, I've tried to, I've tried to uh, aim for that. Um, yeah, you know, I should say yours. The, with the ones that are, are firmly yours that you've done. Well, <laughs> see, I did collaborate. I did uh, We Stand on Guard with uh, mm-hmm. Brian Vaughn. And uh, before that, I did this book called, uh, that actually just came out last year, called Doc Frankenstein with the Wachowskis, who, uh, yeah. um, you know, made the Matrix and Stink. So that book is also a self-contained single story, you know, across a couple hundred pages. Now, I mean, a lot of people know you. Certainly, you you, you did some pretty high-profile Marvel work. You did some uh, work with uh, Youngblood. Um, yeah. And, and you, you know, you, you have these these very kind of high-profile pieces in comics, but you're also, uh, you are a pretty major part of um, of the Matrix, which became, I mean, in terms of pop culture, that, that whole series was... I mean, everybody knows the Matrix, and and you're a big part of that. Yeah, no, that was great. I mean, working in movies was fantastic, and and working for the Wachowskis is great. You really, as a movie artist, I don't think you can get a better job than working with them because you sort of get elevated status in their world. They love <clears throat> a lot of movies. You know, you're dealing with the production production designer, and there's uh, a lot of people who are kind of weighing in. Yeah, on their movies, it's it's just them. And, uh, you know, they're working with their artists the same way they would work with their actors and uh, to get to get what they what they're looking for. So. So, yeah, it's really the Matrix is great, but it like it's very hard to after you do the Matrix. It's like, (laughs) right, like (laughs) you're kind of at the top of that point. You know, not every movie is the Matrix, right? Sometimes the next movie is like Cats and Dogs 3 or something, which, you know, hey, great job and, and everything. But maybe it's. You're maybe not as interested, or it's not your genre, or something. Which well, is kind of why I had to come back to comics because uh, it was just—I don't know. When I was working on movies, what was great—you get to a lot of exciting little adventures. You get to go on location, get some trips. But uh, I was spending all my free time. You know, Comicsology had just come out of that time, and I was just reading comics, wishing I was doing that while I was doing storyboards. Mostly, <laughs> you know, because I'd be away. You know, I could just get all that stuff in my hotel room. How is uh, how is it different? So so going to do to do movies, you're more setting the visual tone. You're setting the environment. Um, are you, you're not necessarily telling the story. You're you're creating the the environment for that story. Well, is that, is that fairly said? Or uh, well, it depends what you're doing. I mean, uh, doing storyboards, you're sort of like a scout. Mm-hmm. Army's behind you, and they send the scout out first to kind of go and see the lay of the land and right. you, you get some uh, ideas of, uh, you know, from the scout of like what the, the, the will inform the battle plan. Um, and so that's what a storyboard artist kind of does is, you know, we kind of like go out and uh, 
do versions of scenes, you know, take the script or uh, notes from the director and, uh, you know, do a scene, do a version of it. And then they come and they look at it and they pull it apart and they like this or that. And, you know, it's constantly about the revision. Those kinds of most movie jobs or all of them, really, uh, you know, it's about the revision. I mean, you do you, you put a, a stake in the ground and then from there. It's sort of just kind of uh, you just kind of carve away, um, you know, under the direction of the your your boss. Um, you you carve away or add things until it gets to a point where they're happy with it, and then it moves to the, the next stage, which is generally empty storyboards. They go to a, a department called pre visualization, which um, if you don't know what that is, that's essentially where they go and make a little. Uh, pretty complex nowadays uh, animated movies of the the scenes that will ultimately. Mm -hmm. Just what you see in the movie, generally. A lot of and and how how was it to step into that world like in terms of of comic books to storyboards and then back to comics? Is it is it all pretty fluid for you, or is it how how? You know, back then, I was uh, really they shouldn't have hired me. I didn't know anything. I think that's what they liked is they just <laughs> and I would do whatever I was told. But I, I was super dumb. <laughs> I didn't know anything. The best thing that happened out of that uh, in my creative life is I got to sit in a room with Jeff Darrow. For, for years, and he's become one of my closest friends, and uh, uh, you know, uh, you know that's been great. I probably would be richer if it had been Mark Bagley sitting next to me. I'd be getting those pages done faster. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. It would be. It was great to. I sort of had. You know, I was at that point when I got hired on the movie. I was just. My skills were kind of. Uh, you know, not great. I didn't have a lot of fundamentals. I was just kind of one of those guys who. Just uh, you know, at nineteen, I was trying to ape the popular styles and and get a job. And uh, mm -hmm. but being thrown into that, that world and having to um, wor working with people at such a high level with so much experience, I don't know. You you, you learned a lot. I don't know. I uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I would imagine. I mean, so would it would it cause you to lean more on on kind of the creativity of setting up that scene? You, you described it as being a scout, so kind of having to imagine what something is going to look like, both in the in the moment and also how it's how the motion is going to come in and, and interact with it. I, I would imagine when you're doing comics, uh, does that then change how you structure a story you're going to tell? Do you think about it visually first, and then I mean, how, how would that change kind of the the so well, like you're kind of in a in a uh, comic, you have to make kind of more uh, choices to cut things away because you have less real estate. Right. Right. First words, you you're trying to do drawings that will play out more or less in real time, right? So right. That, you know, a scene can run hundreds and hundreds of drawings. Whereas, whereas, like in a comic, I'm generally trying to think of like scenes in four and five page chunks. You know, and so. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start out my ideas for a scene. You know, I just kind of write, and then I'll do a, a shot list at the same time. Like this happens, this happens, and it's gigantic. You know, and right. then as I try to squeeze those into pages, you just start cutting things away and combining them until you're getting across what you want within that page. So it's a little, it's a little different. Sometimes it's like yeah, you're sacrificing your babies a lot. You're never sure. Um, you know, it's a little bit, there's more, it's more final because it winds up, um, you know, in a book, whereas a storyboard at the end, it's like, it's never really finished when you surrender those boards to uh, the director or the previs department or whoever. Right? Well, I just, I, I uh, before I, I got out to talk with you, I, I went back and, and read through uh, We Stand on Guard Again. 
Um, and what struck me kind of this, this time, and it feeds right into what you're saying, is that I, I've read many things by, uh, by Brian Vaughn. Um, and your book looks different with him than the other books he's done. And, and part of it is the scenes look like there's more, it, it feels more like a movie playing out than a comic. I don't know if I'm describing it the right way, but it, it, it was, there's, there's a distinctive style you bring. And I wonder how much that has to do with you getting very good at storyboarding and kind of putting that scene together that way. There, there's just a difference I notice. Well, the storyboard definitely like the thing that I took from working in storyboards uh, that I brought to comics, I feel is like, in storyboards, you, you know, clarity is important. You can't, you know, fake it or like just uh, sometimes an old trick I used to do is like when you get tired, you just like grow, instead of a full close up, you do the, the close up of the eye. And then these are a lot of eye close ups, you know. <laughs> you kind of like, oh, that's a lot of real estate on the page. But um, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of. It, it's it's interesting. I, I just haven't been able to quite put my finger on it. There just is. Um, what I did when I was before I spaced out there. I was like, what I brought back kind of were, was a, was composition, and you know, um, basically just thoughts about what the next shot should be. You know, um, a better perspective on that on on uh, what what it mean what a camera angle means and uh, how that can affect your story and. Uh, and so it was it just a, a few more tools in the toolbox to bring in. But from, uh, you know, my composition and stuff is probably, um, you know, a little bit cinematic, I think. You know, yeah. the time I'm, I'm thinking inside that box, you know, I don't do uh, I don't do a lot of crazy layouts unless it's for an effect. I think I could try to focus on like character expressions and emotions, trying to like carry the, the line that something is important. I think that's uh, important to the storytelling. Yeah, no, absolutely. You use distance really well, um, and and I'm, I'm apologize. I've gone really technical into the art with you right away, but I'm fascinated by this piece of it. It, it just you use uh, close ups to widescreen to these different elements, and it 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 feels it feels uh, purposeful. I guess is the best way to put it. When I look at your books, that's what I'm hoping for. Anyway, is that uh, yeah, that it's coming. Also, but working from Brian, that's all from Brian too. Like. Brian's a great visual storyteller. He just, uh, you know, if he knew how to draw, I'd be out of a job. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's someone who thinks very cinematically, and uh, his scripts are clear and full. He works super hard on there on them, and nice. uh, yeah, you get a, a script from him or someone like Alan Moore and stuff, and really, uh, it's it's easy because you're just assembling the IKEA, you know. It, it um, no, it, it plays out. But then the last two things, uh, Maestros and uh, and now Post Americana, you're doing on your own, um, yeah. writer. Uh, and you're, you've been at Image now for a while. Is that kind of where you've you've just landed? That Image is really where you're putting your time and your energy. And well, yeah, I'm doing Post Americana, but you know, I'm always open to um, other things. I mean, uh, people at Image come and go, and uh, sure. Yeah, definitely like to keep a relationship going with there. I, uh, you know, I think they're such an important part of the industry for uh, a creator. I mean, there's really no other deal like it, right? Where, um, so yeah, for sure, I would like to do that. But you know, I'm still interested in all kinds of different comics, and uh, you know, I'm not against uh, the big two or any of that stuff. You know, no, you, you seem like you've always had a, a pretty good relationship with everybody. Like, there's never I, been this falling out. I, <laughs> I try to until the end of this interview, Perch. 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> this, <laughs> dish. this will destroy everything. We'll, we'll get to that all at the end. Um, the uh, so so tell me so post. Uh, sorry, uh, we stand on guard. Um, this book, I remember being so surprised by the concept. I mean, this idea that uh, kind of the last resistance of Canada fighting uh, this this uh, uh, this kind of America forces that that was almost a. Um, I mean, you got giant mechs, and you have. It, it, I mean, it, it was almost like a kaiju story, but but with robots. I mean, it was it was just this idea, this overwhelming force, and this uh, thing. The idea that kind of um, popular culture had uh, infected DARPA design over the years. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, so ultimately, we all the the army guys really would just love a giant robot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was such a cool. I mean, it was it was a nice flip. I think um, certainly people are used to kind of the stories of the the, the ragtag America group having to fight back against some kind of invaders, and in this case, it was America that were the invaders, and Canada was the team you were rooting for there. Uh, that was that was cool. I uh, I mean, likes that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm near your neck of the woods, so I, I feel like halfway between <laughs> between everything. But um, it, it is. Has there been any of these projects, um, especially the ones you've, you've done lately, lately, you mentioned being able to come back and kind of get back into those. Um, do, you, do you see yourself doing any kind of follow-up or sequel to stories like that? Or I mean, that one's got Brian Vaughn attached to it. Stand up. Well, that's Brian's choice. I don't think so, because if you remember how that book ends. Yes, that would be hard to do, but yeah. But you never know. It might make its way to into other media, too, you know, so... Um, you know, uh, hopefully, but there's no one's talking about it right now. Um, so, but, but uh, yeah, we stand guarded. Will there be a future? Right now, we're not talking about it. But uh, I know Brian likes that world. So, mm -hmm. who knows? Well, it, it does seem like something that would be uh, an easy fit for a streaming service to do a, a series on, or, or I mean, assuming you get the budget for. It. <laughs> All for passive income perch. Yeah, I love I love that part. Um, I, so going all the way back to the beginning, so 93, and I remember this moment because that was, uh, I was selling comics at this point um, in a shop, um, and you were working on this, uh, Clive, this kind of this very short-lived, this, this uh, razor line imprint at Marvel. Yeah. And this was Clive Barker's going to bring horror to comics, and maybe kind of comics gotten away from horror as a genre a little bit, but you did Ecto Kid. How, tell, tell me about that. What was that like? Well, that was pretty, you know, that was my first comic job. And so, you know, I look back on those days just with a lot of fondness, you know, it was like working your ass off or like nothing back then, which is so funny. They made so much money off the comics. Um, I think we got to nine, no, eight issues or nine issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a great year. Uh, you know, I was like 18 or 19. And the right, well, ultimately that job kind of uh, helped chart my creative life for many years because I met the Wachowskis on that uh, right. comic and they that's funny they tried to hire me on uh, Bound which was their first movie and I wouldn't didn't want to work on it oh wow because you know it's just this low budget movie and I'm drawing fucking X-Man so, yeah that's right you, you, I, I want to work on this low budget movie but then uh, they realized I was being dumb and so then they hired they hired me on the um, the Matrix and I think I was trying X-Man at the same time I was trying uh, the first Matrix and they were just like I said I can't quit and they're like well just do both and they brought me out to LA and they let me do both which was uh, hilarious and then ultimately I wised up and yeah. worked on Matrix <clears throat> <laughs> yeah 
that was a good call. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I get, uh, so, I mean, and first of all, I think a lot of people may not know the Wachowskis did did do that in comics. Those those names pop up. Um, and, uh, and, and certainly back in the early 90s, you know, getting on an X book is like, at that, at that point, you've got to feel like you're at the height of a career. I mean, everything's going oh. perfect. Oh, yeah. But I was like, like everyone, I'm drawing X-Men and like, I didn't realize, you know, I wanted to draw like the classic guys, you know, X-Men was great and everything, but it was like, I wanted to draw Spider-Man. I want to draw the Hulk or any of these guys. And uh, ultimately I wound up on Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Because yeah I you on Spider-Man. People remember it. But yeah, and I did Spider-Man and then I did Wolverine. I got to write mm -hmm. Wolverine. And then after that, I kind of disappeared for about a decade plus doing uh, the movie stuff. Yeah. But How yeah. did it, um, and then you briefly did some work over on Youngblood. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing uh, in between uh, in between there. I think it was after Spider-Man and before Wolverine. And yeah. I did. Yeah, that was too bad. It was really great. Alan had written these fantastic scripts, and I think I only got two or two and a, three, three, two and a half issues done. Yeah, it wasn't long. Over, which was too bad. Uh, and then I went back to Marvel and uh, did Gambit, which led to Wolverine, and then after that, movies until... For a number of years until Doc Frankenstein and Stand on Guard and what I'm doing now. Was um, what was it like going at that time? I think people have some misunderstandings, or it comes up a lot around the '90s, and and you're doing Marvel comics, and this image thing has happened, and creators are over there, and there, there's this feeling of uh, definite rivalry was going on. But I think a lot of people in their heads they view it as it was a lot more fierce than it actually was. I, I talked to creators who've gone back and forth. Was there any kind of uh, uh, did you get any kind of irritation or anger from Marvel because he went off and did something for him? I got to hand it to Bob Harris. He was super nice to me because I said, look, it's Alan Moore. I got I to do this. And and uh, he's like, well, you know, Ralph has been holding Spider-Man for you, uh, which was super nice. And, uh, uh, and I just kind of, you know, just sort of pleaded uh, – <laughs> for them to not be too mad and uh he kind of understood it was cool about it and i went off and did that fell apart and then they kind of welcomed me back so i don't know i was someone who i got those deadlines done and uh i don't think i was particularly difficult so i don't know everyone was understanding um so again i got no no, no access to grind really <laughs> yeah no i i mean i i have yet to, i mean I'm, I'm sure they're out there but most people seem to have been able to be go back and forth between the two and as long as you, you met deadlines and more or less communicated it was fine well i don't know it's a creative industry it doesn't make sense to be too grudge holding i think with your your professionals everyone you know everyone knows it's kind of uh comics can be tough you're in it because you love it and um you know things can go sideways and uh you know, you can be out of a job or, you know, it's all freelance. So, I don't know, hopefully even the people working at the companies are realistic about that. And, you know, I think there was some understanding there that, uh, you know, this guy's got an opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I want to, you know, stop that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. How, you know, this may be a weird question, but I, I, I try and hit things that come up a lot and, and clear up some understanding. So, um the camaraderie within comics is is fairly strong, would you say, or or it, it it's go ahead. No, no, it's, it's it's a small community. People are working in isolation, yet it is also a small industry where people know each other. Like how, how what I kind of missed out that <clears throat> I wish 
uh, I would love to. I mean, I know some creators on on Facebook. I'm friends with a lot of you know on Instagram and Facebook, but uh, outside of Darrow and really one or two other people, I don't really know that many people in comics closely because I was sort of out of the business for so long. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to. Uh, I remember going to some local show after Stand and Guard came out and hoping there would be someone that would want to go to dinner with me. Everyone was going back to their rooms to do their commissions. You know, <laughs> money. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just go home. <laughs> yeah. I, it, that's so strange. So it is, it is, and I, I heard kind of the same thing from Sean um, a few days ago, that it was this idea of, of uh, it's a small industry, people know each other, but it's also a very isolated industry. And maybe they don't know each other well. And it, there doesn't seem like there's a real good network established for people to kind of pass along advice or mentor or any of that. Yeah, well, that's tough. I mean, it's all deadlines. I mean, to do what I do, I mean, I got two little toddlers. I essentially wake sure. up, I get in here, work till four, kids come home, play with them till, I mean, up until bedtime, seven thirty, eight o'clock, and I'm back here till 12. So, yeah. um, yeah, there's not a lot of uh, chit chat. There's <laughs> if I'm if I have any shows on, it's I'm sort of watching them passively in the background, you know. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's like you got to really be into this to want to do it. But it seems like the the industry would benefit a little bit if if there was a, the some some level of more formalized network or or because everyone's so you know diaspora. We're all over the place. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of like when it, the, the creative industries are like that, where I've often heard people talk about unions and things like that it's like um i don't know how that would work like like yeah in that interview there's always someone to do can do it for less sure and, um yeah i do like but you know as far as community goes what you do is is what i think i would recommend to a, a younger uh, creator if they're getting in you know learn about this stuff learn about the side of this side of the industry learn about sales all these things because i ignored all that when i was younger if I had a little more insight uh, or perspective, um, you know, I would have charted maybe a little bit different path for myself. I sort of got into the creator-owned stuff at a later date, you know, mm -hmm. put it off when really, you know, maybe I could have parlayed something much earlier when I was, you know, on those high-selling Marvel books and stuff. Maybe that would have been a time, but uh, my mind, my mind wasn't uh, on on any of that at that time. Well, I mean, it also feels like uh, whether it was direct or not, uh, being able to go from some of these these bigger selling Marvel books off to being one of the kind of creative visionaries behind the Matrix is that, that nobody would complain about that arc in terms of a, a career. Helping hand on the Matrix, I've gotten probably too much credit for it because uh, of the the art of book, and there were so many great artists and other storyboard artists who worked on that. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I should take as much credit as possible. <laughs> you should. How, how is it? So it, that's also got to be kind of different. Uh, in, in comics, it's it, the buck stops with you to some extent when you're making the page and, and you know, you're either drawing or not. But in a movie, it is you are part of a team. Yeah, you don't have that same sense of authorship you have as an artist. Even if you're, uh, like, I was, just the, I was the artist on Stand On Guard, so with Matt Hollingsworth coloring. So I didn't... Uh, you know, I have a sense of authorship with that, but you know, it's Brian's story. He's the writer, but it still feels more like me in there than it does say if I work on a movie. Right. You know, what you do ultimately helps get to, uh, you know, what you see on screen, but it's not always like, you know, or rarely is it shot for shot for what you do. So many things are factored in, you know, by the time it gets there. Oh, sure. 
Sure. is kind of there in the beginning for raw ideas, you know, and then that is just those nuggets are kind of, uh, you know, smelted and molded and shaped into, into things with many, many people. Yeah. And you, I mean, Matrix is, is obviously, I mean, everybody knows that, but you also worked on uh, iRobot and V for Vendetta, um, Jupiter Ascending, a lot of the Wachowskis. George Miller's unmade Justice League film. Oh, I love talking about with comic book people because that was like, those were all great movies, but that movie uh, that failed was kind of special because I got to go to Australia and work with George Miller and uh, be there for a long time. And uh, it was right before the new 52. So it was kind of interesting because we were asking ourselves a lot of the same questions they were. Uh, and it was interesting how uh, you know, our, that movie never got made, but uh, God, they spent like 30 or four. I mean, they made so much stuff. I mean, it got right up to almost shooting. I mean, they had actors, they had costumes, they had uh, a couple sets built before they, you know, canceled it. How do you think that would have changed the trajectory of everything if they would have gone forward with that? I mean, because DC's been playing kind of from behind uh, with... And, you know, I, I think I would have liked it better than uh, the, what happened with the Zack Snyder one. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it would totally be the fans' super uh, Justice League movie. But there were a lot of just fun stuff in there. Some stuff that was kind of goofy, too. Because uh, George Miller has, like, experience in kids' movies. And he was trying to make a kids' movie. But there was some badass stuff, too. He had this whole, you know, uh, Superman gets mind-controlled and Wonder Woman has to fight him. And they really play up this whole idea of Batman uh, being the only human and constantly being uh, injured. Oh, and, nice. Uh, you know, like, if you watch any George Miller movies, one of the uh, famous George Miller trope is, you know, he's a, a doctor. And so, like, you know, uh, Mad Max's, you know, uh, you know, leg brace and all kinds of... So they had they did the same thing to Batman because he would, like, get broken up with every superhero fight. So by the end of the thing, he's just, like, uh, kind of influenced by the uh, Alex Ross kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Come. So he had a little bit of that going on, which was, which was pretty fun. I just wonder, I, I think... Um... I mean, Marvel got to the, the world faster and they got the cinematic universe rolling and they had all these films and, and it kind of took on a life of its own. Uh, obviously, a, a very profitable one for them. Um, and DC then tried to catch up. But I wonder about that movie. If it had come out, if that would have changed the clock and just it would have been a different, completely different race. I just I wonder if things would have played out very, very differently. I don't know. I don't know. It's wondering. It's, fun, it's funny to think about Army Hammer was the uh, uh, mm -hmm. Batman in that. So. Yeah. I don't know if he was into cannibalism back then or <laughs> I'm just I have no I haven't even read that. I just read the headline. I don't know what's going on. No, it's it, it you don't need to read behind the headline. That's how our news works. You don't need to worry about how to pass there. <laughs> um no that's that's really cool. I, I think uh so so you you've done you do all these, you come back, you do Doc Frankenstein um with uh with Jeff Darrow. You uh you get back into comics. It is it was it like coming home again? It just was what it, you, you know, I lucked out. I was like, you know, I, I ran into Brian. Uh, the Wachowski had, Wachowski's had invited him to this screening of Jupiter Ascending mm -hmm. that I was at. And we just started talking because he was the only other comic guy there. And then he was like, hey, if you ever want to do something, give me a call. Or here's my, you know, let's be. And I sort of just kind of like dove at his feet and he was trying to like get out of the room. And uh, yeah, until then, like six months later or so, we, we did stand on guard. and. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was great because it was a big hit and sort of, uh, 
you know, was probably better than, you know, doing a fill in on red lanterns or something, uh, get me back in the, in the industry. So yeah, I'm forever grateful to him for that and, uh, and doing that. So yeah, it did feel like coming home and it was well received. People, people liked it. And, um, yeah, it was a great experience. Super grateful for that one. No, oh, awesome. Um, and I, I mean, and you've continued to, like I say, you've continued to do these comics. Do you feel like you've achieved, you, you just got off doing the Matrix 4. Do you have now more of a balance where you're kind of doing both? I would prefer to just stay doing comics, honestly, at this point in my life. Uh, I mean, a good movie job will come by, but I would probably rather, I don't know, draw a Batman comic than work on a Batman movie, mm -hmm. even if it's less money, uh, just because. It's, you know, it's, you can't beat that. You know, you, I, like I said, I'm old, you know, 47 now. So you just kind of like, what's your time worth? And uh, yeah. you want to yeah. spend those hours every day. And um, hey, it's a lot of work. You got to work all the time. But uh, sometimes the greatest thing about, you know, doing your own, so sometimes I get to laugh my ass off at some of the stuff I'm, I'm doing. And on a movie, uh, there's probably less of that. Yeah. So. No, that's interesting. So, yeah, that, that's very interesting. So it, it's, uh, when you're when you're doing pages, uh, well, I, I guess I should ask: are, are you are you drawing still traditionally? Do you do it digital? Like, what's your what's your method? I'm a I'm one of those digital hacks. I had to go digital for um, for storyboards, mm -hmm. and uh, it was challenging. I hated it for the first couple months, right? But like I said, so much of that, most of that work is about the revision. Uh, it's just so much easier to do that digital. I mean, you can't compete if you're not doing it digitally. Yeah, be like sitting there with a glue stick, cutting frames up, and, and, and scanning them in, and you know, I mean, they want a lot. You need to generate a lot of drawings and then fix them very quickly as well. Oh um, yeah, I would. Yes. Um, what was the question? Oh no, sorry. I was going to say, do you think that there's any? Um, it, was there there? But there's value in learning kind of traditional models. And then moving to digital, I, do, do you think that artists who are now coming in and, and starting with digital, they're missing something in the process? Uh, probably. I don't know if it. You see, that's something that yeah, that's that's kind of tougher. Like you see, like when I'm working, you know, a lot of what they do now is this thing called photo bashing. Right. They these productions, they want a lot of concept art, a lot done very quickly, um, and a lot of changes on the fly. And so what they do is a lot of people. And these are great artists. They can paint and draw absolutely anything, but they have these kind of big, giant, um, you know, um, high-res photo files, and they kind of compile and make these images out of that stuff and then paint into it just because it's a faster way to get something done, you know? Yeah. And so you, on one level, it's, yeah, that's the image that is very close to the movie, but it doesn't have that artistic signature uh, yeah. you get. I mean, it, um, and this is just me being critical. This stuff is all exactly what is... Uh, necessary and useful for production art uh, that helps you know make a movie, but um, yeah, less fun uh, from yeah. creatively because when you get into you kind of want to you know do nice art too. Um, that's the other thing too. And storyboards, uh, aesthetic, you know, your your rendering and style aren't really important. What's important is sort of like uh, how quickly you're and clearly you're conveying ideas. You know, is more important than. A pretty face, and a lot of the times, if you're getting close to shooting, you know they want uh, the th they want almost thumbnails, you know. Yeah. You know, which is which is fine. I mean, still you can have a lot of fun doing that. But I remember on We Stand on Guard, I got back to Queen Stand on Guard after doing Cloud Atlas and Jupiter standing back to back, 
long stretch of work, but uh, it was that kind of quick drawing for a long time. Not so much in Cloud Atlas, but ultimately, eventually, kind of got that, and I kind of got back to stand on guard, and I forgot how to draw faces a little bit. And you see wacky faces in there here and there, where I'm trying to like remember how I did it. Uh, I had to like go back through my old comics and say, "Oh, that's how I drew hair," or "That's how I did this." And uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, that's why I kind of like right now. I would like to, um, if I if, if I can, uh, you know, make it work, stick with the comics. Yeah, not 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 have that same transition period again. Where <laughs> I, but well, they're hard to complain. I mean, they're good good gigs a lot of the time. But yeah, like if I had my druthers, you know, I would love to just sit here quietly and draw comics all day. Uh, how uh, so more broadly with comics so so now having gone through kind of the 90s to today what what are some of the big changes that that from your perspective that you're seeing i mean how has the industry kind of evolved um where you're concerned how has it evolved hmm, I, think, uh, hmm. I mean it's evolved yeah it, it, i mean it's definitely changing yeah. and, and i think a lot of people maybe almost hyper focus on it it's uh well the know, is what changed you know the, the the level of criticism and stuff like that is different uh yeah really it's uh from a cr making standpoint it's probably pretty similar um but uh yeah the level of criticism is, is different <laughs> sure uh you know, you know usually that stuff doesn't really bother me um i love a good bad review you know? yeah uh you kind of the one good you know I've been doing it for a long time now, so I kind of have to, and when you're, you know, you never get too precious. That's another uh, great thing about working in movies. You never get too precious about yourself working on that stuff. You're around super talented people constantly, uh, and everyone has their own little specialty, and you're kind of in awe of everyone. So you right. don't really get uh, a big head, uh, at least I, I don't. You know, I'm just kind of uh, sort of just cool to be around all this, these, these people. Um, yeah. Well, comics. Yeah, I don't know because I came back to image. And I never really did image before, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But we're still doing crossovers, and uh, mm -hmm. there are good ones and bad ones, and uh, yeah. So, Any, anything you're uh, you're reading right now that you're just you're very excited about? You wish you think I wish I was on that or? Oh, everything <laughs> constantly. I'm always I'm always like that. It was so funny. Uh, I was um, when I was working on that Justice League movie. I would talk to Jeff, and he was he was working on his own movie. Mm -hmm. And he was always asking me about Justice League. And uh, he was working on the Shaolin Cowboy animated movie. It ultimately didn't happen, but he, he worked on it for a couple of years. Uh, and he'd be like, ah, oh, gosh, you know, he, he would be like, I'm kind of more interested in what you're doing than what I'm doing right now. Just because, you know, we're kind of wired that way. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. But what am I reading right now? I'm reading a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, God, I'm reading a lot of older stuff, a lot of older Jack Kirby stuff. Mm hmm. Commandi was was something as well. It's kind of uh, a part of post Americana. What's mm -hmm. um, the last really good one I read? I'm reading. I got myself one of those Marvel Unlimited subscriptions, so I'm just reading a lot of old. I just went through all my old John Byrne Hulks that he did and yep. the Fantastic Fours and Jack Kirby. So, but I should probably mention something a little more recent, right? No, no, not not at all. I mean, I, I think there's that's a great part about comics is that you, the time doesn't really matter after a while i mean especially when you can get it all on digital and it's it's it all is kind of just right there I see, i'm always blown away i mean there are so many amazing uh books and comics not all of them can sell but I, you know there's some really just just cool stuff that comes out all the time you know i was into marvel's conan for the longest time i'm reading i really dig that uh the goddamned uh, jason aaron i love uh, most of his things uh -huh. the new sweet tooth came out i love sweet tooth that was a real big uh, influence oh, yeah. 
money to come back to comics. When I was working on location, you know, I was just reading that going, ah, oh, man, to do, get a body of work like this behind you would be so awesome. I like that once in future is cool. Um, you know, Immortal Hulk. Sure. Uh, reading that one. You know, I'm checking the Batmans out. I love Greg Capullo anytime he does something. Uh, you know, Hellboy. Jeez, there's lots of good ones. Do you think that there's, uh, there's, um, we've seen really in the last three or four years, you've got all these new creators kind of flooding into the market and, and people kind of taking a crack at it for the first time. It seems like it's, it's accelerated faster where people can get in and, and are pushed quicker uh, than it has been in the past. The, the, the journey from, hey, you're running a title is seems to be much, much quicker. And in some cases, the careers are also shorter too. I'm seeing people burn out faster. Um, do you think that's true or, you know? Well, you probably have a better perspective on that because remember, I got in, uh, like, in the boom, right? That's true. Everybody was coming in the 90s. They were hiring anyone who could hold a pencil. I mean, I couldn't do anything. Uh, like, you know, I couldn't even mm-hmm. the vanishing point was when I started in comics. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard for me to say. I don't know if I have the full lay of the land. Uh, how how did you how did they find you? Uh, how did they find you at the beginning? Like when you when you start with comics, like how did you get there? How did uh, you know? How did that even begin? In the old days, what, what I had to do is you would go to San Diego Comic Con with a bunch of Xerox packets. That was the only thing you do. You Xerox, you'd mail in little packets of Xeroxes to people uh, of your samples, and I did that reli- you know religiously. My mom uh, worked at a school, and so I would sneak in after hours and use their Xerox machine and make these little uh, packets. I would send them every couple months. I would do constantly doing like pretty much that's all I wanted to do since I was a little kid. So I would do these little four or five page samples and uh, constantly send them off. And then when I graduated high school, I got into my uh, Yugo and uh, drove from Vancouver, Canada to San Diego and waited in all the lines and uh, handed out my little packets to everybody. And uh, yeah, it was fun. That was pretty wild too. Pretty funny. Like, uh, Meeting some of those characters, I would meet like, uh, like Barry Winter Smith. Oh yeah, nice to me at the Valiant booth, and he sat me down, and you know he criticized, but he was like super constructive, and uh, uh, which was funny because I guess a lot of people had had. Uh, I know I heard, oh, was he nice to you? I was like, oh yeah, he was amazing, super super nice guy. Um, yeah, I met my editor, who uh, this guy Marcus McLaurin, who ultimately hired me for Ecto Kid, and. Uh, yeah, those those memories are pretty vivid still. You know, standing in line. Uh, I don't think do that still. Uh, not, no, not really. I mean, it's 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 strange. You kind of have to know somebody. I mean, it, the, the whole networking is very very different now. I, I think. It's, yeah, I guess right. Everyone just gets hired off that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's just it's very. I mean, there's a lot of I think trolling for talent from from Instagram or some of these other sites where you're you're able to kind of pick up on something, and it, it's just a different business now. But I. I Maybe that is something that's kind of been lost in comics is this idea that you could do the pilgrimage down somewhere with your work and, and, you know, hustle on the floor. That's that's the way you had to do that. And uh, I feel sad maybe that the younger people don't get to experience waiting in line and, uh, you know, being shunned by their favorite creator. Yeah. Your work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time that weekend. It was like so stressful and everything, but like, uh, my head was just swimming, you know, after having met Barry Smith and uh, getting some deep, you know, in, uh, feedback from him or, or whoever it was that weekend. I met Mark Silvestri, 
Yeah. Nice to me. Uh, I think Joe Casada was in there. Um, and it was cool. I just, it was, uh, I hope they can, you can still walk up to those guys and give them your art and they'll look at it. I mean, a lot of people won't now. Um, some, some still do, of course, but I know that there's, there's more of a, a wall up between of, of just, you know, you don't want to accept solicitations in some cases. And I, I mean, it's just, it, it depends on the personality. I, I'm just, I'm seeing less of it. And I, maybe that's something, something significant that's been lost. Hmm. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. Well, at any rate, so um, you do these big series, you start to get known, then suddenly the tables have turned. Now you're going to the convention as as the insider, and you got people coming up to you. Did you did you did it flip on you? Did you have people coming to you and and uh, kind of like you did when you were first trying to break in? Well, we don't need the company. I shit on every uh, every sample that I'm shown. I make sure <laughs> just work for me and me alone. <laughs> Perfect. We don't have a lot of that stuff, uh, but I'm always yeah. And the last couple little things I did go to, uh, I don't think anyone brought any uh, stuff up to me. I haven't done that many little. Con There's a con they do like this thing called uh, Fan Expo here. Yeah. COVID, and then I did this Toronto thing. Uh, uh, TCAP. I went stand on guard came out, but uh, God, that's been it. But I'm dying to do it. I would love to get invited to some of these shows and go there and you know meet some of these other creators I'm interested in. Well, hopefully we get back to that someday. I, I <laughs> but this is all over. That's right. Well, when the, the Kirkland vaccine's coming soon, you can get that at Costco. So. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. the regular one. So. No, I, I mean, I, I mentioned with Kari. I, I, I used to, or I, I will travel up to Vancouver once a month, and it's been a year now. So, oh, you go to Vancouver? You come up here a lot? All the time. Yeah, just very close. And uh, well, give me a call. We'll go for a drink. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's on me. Well, I mean, I have to get across the border first, you know. I'm talking like, you know, in five years when all this is over. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that will work. Um, so what what uh, you, you're going through your current book, uh, Post-Americana, then next, do, do you have a, a batch of ideas that are kind of swimming around that you're... I spent, the one that I kept like this little booklet and I've got, yeah, I've got a ton of ideas I'd like to get out there. Um, and it's just going to be a matter of Kind of whatever opportunity comes first, I guess, is the way it works. But yeah, I've kind of been, you know, kind of a closet writer for a long time. I always meant to do more. And when I did that Wolverine comic, uh, mm -hmm. I wrote that and I figured, you know, there'd be many more. But I guess I did movies and then uh, didn't really get another chance until uh, after We Stand on Guard. So yeah, I've got, yeah, at least 10 comics new concepts that i'd like to that are pretty fleshed out that i'd love to get to oh nice and and do you find you're, you're just, you mentioned it's good to work with image and, and you've been putting stuff out would you ever want to do any kind of direct consumer type thing that a lot of you know, people are doing crowdfunding or they're doing other methods uh, but but image seems like a good gig uh i guess and you know i've never done that uh i feel like such an old man I'll yeah to you because uh i hear you i probably should be uh crowdfunding and doing all that some guys are getting real success from that and uh i guess i haven't really looked into it yet i've been i've been too busy but i'm not against any of that if it means me at a table doing comics and you know taking care of my family with that work then yeah i'm all i'm all for it well let me kind of i mean pitch this at you or, or throw this at you I, it feels like one of the barriers that i hear about crowdfunding particularly for people who haven't gone into it 
is that what they want to do is they want to be able to do their book. They want to be able to draw it, write it, whatever. They, they have a vision. They have a story they want to put out. But they're not particularly enamored with this idea of all the logistics of having to actually then go find the printer and pack it up and all, you know, the, the, the marketing and all, all the pieces around that. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It is. And it feels like if you're not really up for that, that would quickly destroy any kind of <laughs> good, <laughs> good uh, feelings you have. Even, you know, I see a lot of other creators, they have YouTube channels and like, it's, it's just, there's just, I got the, I don't know where the time is going to come from. It's like, yeah, I spend time writing and drawing uh, every free hour and then, you know, then it's family time. So there's yeah. a lot of space in there. I don't know. It's a like, thing. Yeah. like a, a, a crowdfunding like facilitator, you know, yeah. somebody who does that and then like takes a, a cut so that I don't have to do all that. Got mailing things, forget it. I can't mail you. It, it feels like that's that's the missing piece here. Of there is a, I think there's a lot of people with stories and with ideas, but just not the either the desire, or the infrastructure, to do all those other pieces. Yeah, the infrastructure for sure. Yeah, but, um, you know, a lot of there's a lot of success in there. Yeah. Um, how about um, how about some of these other things? So right now we're living in this period where, uh, at least financially. Uh, comics industry is growing. The numbers are being put up very high, but a lot of that growth is manga and, and things from overseas coming in, uh, YA content, other segments growing up. Uh, do you, do you, does any of that kind of ever hit you or have you, have you had anybody come to you and say, Hey, you know what you need? You need a big YA pitch. We need a, we need a Steve book for YA. Well, I see that. And, you know, I do have those ideas. I don't know if anyone's, I don't know if you read Post Americana or Maestros and go, hey, this guy's got to write something for 10 year olds or six year olds. But yeah, it's, it's on my mind. You know, I've got kids and I love, you know, I spend all my time looking at a kid. Yeah, I got lots of ideas there too. But, um, but I don't know. Like, uh, if you're talking about sort of the future of the industry, I think it's good. I think a lot of people are reading comics, uh, a lot of new people. I mean, you know, the Scholastic is kind of comics now for a lot of kids. So I feel like in 10, 15 years, those little boys and girls are going to grow up and they're going to want comics. Are they going to want the same old Marvels? The only thing I wonder is just like, you know, the Western died out eventually. You know? Right. Or it didn't die out, but it we'd had so much of it that it kind of got to this a smaller size. And so maybe that'll happen with some superheroes, but who knows? Well, it seems to me like, uh, you know, I, I've got two kids, I think maybe a little older than yours, but, but still, uh, you know, seven and 10. So okay. very much, you know, into comics. Oh, good. Uh, what are they like? Well, they like manga and they like YA. So I struggle to get them into the Avengers or Batman and, and any of that. They're just not there, but it's not the superhero aspect. They love my hero academia books like that. They absolutely love it. And, what I see happening is they're getting hooked by this whole industry. Uh, they love the format. They love graphic novels. They love all that, but they're, they're diverged off of the typical West, you know, type of comics or they're not going to the big two. They're getting more hooked by either, you know, new, new IP. There's this book primer that DC did. There's no, no existing characters. They love that. They like some of the image stuff I've shown them, but there's not that natural, I'm a kid, I've got to love Spider-Man or I've got to love Batman. It feels like people are starting to, to branch off in a, in a new direction. Well, it's, you know, these characters, uh, the, the, the toughest challenge, I mean, people always crap on this. But the, the corporate guys have a real tough job. I mean, keeping yeah. these guys, these characters fresh for decade, year after year, uh, 
like that's tough. I mean, I mean, there's it's kind of an endless middle. You can't really you don't have the the great thing that I have, you know, or any creator has if you're doing creator own is you can have an ending. Uh, right is definitive and uh you know those things are important to storytelling uh kind of what makes you know makes it satisfying is a, is a satisfying conclusion and so like yeah you do get to a point where you maybe i love spider-man i love all my marvel characters i love all my dc characters but yeah sometimes it takes something a little new to grab me to go back and, and buy them i always have money ready but usually it's for some different little like Warren, Daniel Warren Johnson's Wonder Woman, you know, like, right. it's a little different and interesting. Uh, I'm going to get that probably before I would get the, 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 the monthly or something, you know, this more status quo. So I feel like in the future, I feel like there's a bright future for all of these, these characters and whatnot. I think there's always going to be peaks and valleys. Um, you know, I was listening to, uh, what is that, 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 uh, that Marvel book, uh, Audible book I like. Oh yeah. Yeah the untold stories of Marvel comics. And, and you listen to that and it's kind of like, it's always been this way. Yes. And we're all about to lose our jobs. And then someone comes up with an idea and boom, we got another, another, uh, uh, wave to, to, to surf. And I feel like that'll happen again. I mean, uh, you know, it's just hard to keep coming up with those, uh, those ideas, but I think new creators and new people will always have a new perspective and, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll be good. But you know, sometimes some things, show their age. I mean, Superman is tough. You know, like, how do you freshen him up? Uh, mm -hmm. Ways, but, uh, you know, it's tough to in, to keep that integrity of the characters while at the same time throwing them into something new at the same time is uh, it's a crapshoot. So it's hard It's hard to know what's the right move all the time. It, it feels a little bit like, well, for, first of all, you're exactly right. I think the, uh, the comic industry is dying has been something that's been said uh, every few years for <laughs> I mean, just since DC did the implosion in the seventies and likely before then there's always, it's always dying somewhere. Um, but one thing that I think was true and you saw image kind of bucket a little bit in the early nineties when they got started was there was a, there was a bit of a wall. If you're coming in to do comics or graphic novels, you know, Marvel and DC owned that spot and it was a little bit hard to get some traction there. And then, in the early 90s, you had Image kind of come in and, and the indie profile blew up a little bit, got bigger, but still, it, it was still their, their, you know, their ball game to a large extent. And it feels like about five years ago, things started to tip where, as you mentioned, Scholastic's coming in and just running the table with kids. You have uh, overseas, you have manga and, and titles like that coming in. It, just, it feels, but it feels less like Marvel and DC are, are falling i wouldn't describe it that way but more that a lot of other people are now playing in this spot and they don't have to fight for position like they used to i don't know does that does that track or i don't well, know they're different customers too right yeah, definitely different customers yes um see the thing is like like when i bought the x-men when i was a kid you know john Byrne, chris claremont that was the x-men and the longer these things go they kind of evolve away from those those, you know, sort of the, the concise concept that was. Mm -hmm. you, get, you get something that's a little bit more unwieldy. I mean, maybe it's still interesting. There's super talented guys, but it like, um, it's not quite the same as when, you know, Kitty Pryde's turning and saying, I hate Professor X. Right. That's a different era than what we're looking at now. You know, now it's very high concept. It's very, I don't know, sci-fi, futuristic, um, 
and maybe the other ones were more ground. I don't know. There, it's a different. It's, it's a little bit different, and uh, it kind of has to be that way. I don't know how you. I guess you can stop and reboot them. That's what they do with the movies. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I would if I was uh, a boss, one of those companies. I would just try and do a little bo both. I'd just make bets on the creative people who come in who try to, you know their hearts in the right place with the characters and they're interested in keeping the integrity of, of those characters. I think you can throw them in a lot of different weird situations that will make them feel fresh. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not sort of changing the DNA too much with uh, you know, their soul, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Be open to, to do some new things. And, and it, 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 like I had a Superman pitch that I pitched to DC um, last year and it was kind of about, he's the same. Um, but it was like a far future story where he's kind of everyone in his life has gone. They've died, but just because he's sort of in this story, I sort of suggested that he, uh, he's got a super long life. Mm -hmm. so they sort of died, you know, of natural causes. So it's not so much the, it's not a murder tragedy, you know, it's more like he's just uh, a temporal, uh, you know, right. a temporal being. I mean, uh, he's forever, mm -hmm. you know, the yellow sun keeps them young forever or whatever. It seems like uh, they remembered your pitch because the comic that's coming out right now is uh, very much, that's very familiar to what they're doing with House of L right now. Oh, really? Because yeah. in my story, I had him come back and uh, to a world that kind of had solved all the problems. The superheroes were all gone and uh, humanity had ascended. It was essentially like Hong Kong. That's the yeah, they're a little bit, yeah. That 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 there's a little bit of that and what they're what they're. I mean, the idea is that Superman is, is out. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're. Sure. Very rich. I just like the idea of him being in a place where he was no longer remembered. Yes. He wasn't an important person. He had I to. I love that. The thing I wanted to throw at him was like, because in all the comics, there's a lot of speeching about how important he is and he's, you know, how much of an inspiration he is. And I don't know, that's a, it's kind of an alien thing to throw on someone where like, you know, as a person, if you're, if you're Jesus, how do you feel about that? Yeah. got to be, you, you kind of, if you lean into it, then you're kind of uh, crazy and you're not really, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to relate to that. Um, but I like the idea of kind of being a regular person who's sort of yoked with all this responsibility. And then he gets to a place where, like, these people don't remember him, they don't care about him. Superheroes are sort of half remembered as kind of a threat to humanity. And the, the version I had was that, you know, uh, humanity was now the imposing force across the universe. Is that they had ascended and they'd become uh, the universe's uh, most oppressive regime by sort of appropriating all the superhero technology and supervillain weaponry. And oh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, they never got back to me. But uh, I guess that's the new. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I, ideas are flying around everywhere. You can't pitch anything and and you know and be too territorial about it. It's up. You know, everyone's throwing ideas around, and uh, you just kind of got to roll with it. Yeah. Well, and as, as a result, you've created some amazing stuff for Image uh, through this period. So, thanks. Trying to trying to do my best. So, is your hope now? Now, just kind of looking for is it is it that you want one thing? I mean, it, of course, I've kind of asked you this question a bunch of different ways already. So, I apologize if I sound like a broken record. But your hope is it uh, kind of one series a year, or just kind of this kind of constant stream? Yeah, yeah one a year uh, would be great. Um, you know, see where that leads me. Um, hopefully, I can just keep staying uh, doing comics and. Uh, They'll, they'll let me let me hang around here for a little while would be nice. 
No, I, I, no, I mean, you've, you've, uh, you've drawn a work through a pretty major part in the industry. I think the comic industry has had two major shifts during this period. One, you were, you're doing movies during that kind of big shift. Now you're coming back into it. Um, uh, it's, it's some, some definite cool stuff. Any, uh, kind of dream characters or somebody listening that you're like, Hey, you know, I'd love to work on this or is it, is really your mind? Like, I'd really love to do my own thing. Well, the Marvel DC stuff, well, or anything. there's always a pull for that, that stuff, you know, for, for me, it's like, it's pretty easy for me to start thinking about those characters and uh, having ideas for them. So yeah, if they came a knocking, I, you know, I've definitely got a lot of, uh, Dr. Strange ideas. I'd love to go back to Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, who else do I like? Um, I, I would kind of like just like the off the beat path characters that like, I'd love to do a Batman story, but it's like, it's going to be hard for me to come up with a great Batman story. There are so many, he's so defined, you know, whereas like an update of OMAC, a new Commandi maybe would be more my speed or, or something mm -hmm. new gods. I mean, a lot of this stuff that hasn't been like, you know, pulled apart and rebuilt over and over again. Uh, you know, maybe there's a little more, uh, Fruit to, to bear spaces. I'd love to uh, get into that. And creative stuff too. I love doing that. No, well, I mean, your creative stuff is harder. Uh, coming up with a Doctor Strange story, I think would probably our Wolverine story would, might be easier than because you know who, who he is. Yeah. Than an entire uh, new concept with a cast of characters. Well, I mean, you're you're doing everything. You're you're publishing an entire. You're uh, you're imagining an entire world in seven issues of <laughs> absolutely everything. What am I doing? Yeah, no, that's a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I would be remiss. I so uh, guy Joe, who I do. Um, it's on the hold on a second, perch. Oh yeah, cats and dogs four is on the phone. I gotta I gotta take this this job. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I, uh, I cats and dogs. Joe, <laughs> gotta get in on. Uh, Joe would kill me if I didn't uh, at least pitch this at you. So what we what we what we should do is we'll do our Batman story, but the trick is here we reveal during the course of this story that Bruce has actually fathered all the children in in Gotham. He's gotten around, and so it's City of Bruce. The mil what do you mean millions of children he's fathered? Sure, just everybody there is it's 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 taking the Robin trope and turning it on its head. He's just he's everything. So what you're doing is you want to take that black label bat penis and just turn that into an entire story. <laughs> it's a full graphic novel. City of Bruce. This is it. Sean Murphy, you've got some competition. There we go. Yeah, this will compete with White Knight for sure. Yeah. Let's I'm do it. We'll go to DC. We'll get it done. Just any titles as they yeah. come to me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, I'm cool with that. I mean. Yeah, why not? I'll, I'll, they'll, they'll laugh that I actually mentioned that to somebody in real life. Um, so, oh, is that an idea you guys had? That he, so, why do you like the idea of him? He fathers all the children. What happens to the children? Oh, you know, it doesn't matter really. He, he they're all disposable, just like Robin. So it's. Uh, oh, poor Robin! <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fruit to bear. You know, I love the idea of Sons of Batman, and all the all the people kind of like you know. As I'm getting older, I think probably Dick Grayson is a more interesting character than he is. Oh, for sure. Uh, I had. I would love to do a. You know, a Robin story is like. I'd love to see Nightwing. Have they done it where like he comes across another orphan kid? They, they've toyed with it. Yeah, they they have had the. Uh, he's taking somebody under a wing, and what's the difference? But they never seem to commit. I think they're 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 thrown between the legacy idea of that 
concept and Nightwing is going to appeal to, you know, young sexy hero and we're going to draw his butt and there always seems to be a conflict with where they want to go with that that character. I feel like that would be a good story is like how does he deal? Yeah. Bring a kid into this how does he feel about this world he's been brought into? He almost didn't have a choice, you know. He was yeah. sort of traumatized by this murder and then this like rich guy who likes to impose his will on the world uh, brings him in and trains him to kick the shit out of people and uh, <laughs> what do you do? They, they never fully commit. I mean, there's they're, a little bit, they've done some of that with the Titans and, and, yeah, and other things. He says the F word and stuff in the Titans. Yeah. Well, he's mad. Yeah, it's, it's more mad. It's, it's not the same thing. It's not the, a true exploration of that idea. But Well, it's there. I hope, I hope they can get into it. As, uh, yeah. Still publishing DC, right? I mean, everything's going okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, any, um, I, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I just want to say thank you. I, I've been conversation killer perch. That's what you should know. No, I'll bring every conversation I had to a dead stop. Well, we've got a, I mean, we, we need to have the border open up and I'll come up and have a beer with you or something. Yeah, that sounds good. That is desperately needed at this stage in this current reality. Um, look like this either. I'm glad this is not a uh, video. No, same. I'm yeah, I, I'm, I'm going, well, I've got my, just stubble here, so it's all gray now. It's a the problem. You look less Unabomberish than I do. Yeah, you know, I can, I can, I can work on that. I can, <laughs> I can get that worked out. Yeah. Uh, so, Post Americana is books out. Number number two is out. Uh, it's dropping tomorrow. I I don't know. They'll take a couple of days for me to cut this. So now we're in the future or the past. It, it's out there on shelves now. You should go get it. Um, you said sorry, sorry. It's it's six or seven issues. Uh it's going to go seven. Seven. Okay. Six, but the story needed to go seven, and Image was like, we cannot have this go to the seventh issue, so we're going to do that. Just okay. like, well, what, it's really eight issues long, because the first issue is double-sized. It was the same as Maestro's, right? Uh, and uh, it seems like I can't squeeze any of my ideas into less than that. Uh, I mean, to build a completely new world and character, I mean, you, you do world building. It's not like one of these uh, short series that's, that's very confined to a small idea. I mean, you, you, you explode the entire world in, in eight con I'm not sure how you do it, honestly. It's a, <laughs> it, you tell a lot of story. You'll probably kill me. <laughs> how, how, uh, how is it with Image? Do, you, do they just kind of let you do what you want to do, or how much do they? You don't have you until you send them the book, and then they go, uh, cool. And, yeah, as far as uh, no, uh, yeah, no, no input really on the uh, other thing kudos uh, no one said anything uh, to me uh, nice. that's pretty much the status quo over there yeah I just trust you to do your own thing and uh, yeah you're not I'm not like calling Eric Stevenson and bouncing ideas or anything I'm just sort of like here's the book and he goes okay or you know yeah so yeah it's like a, it's a dream come true I know uh, sometimes it's good to have someone chase you down for your work but uh, I don't know I, I love that uh, the freedom of that is just uh, real something that i really appreciate now at this point in my life yeah i, I imagine it will work for a lot of creators and i'm glad it's working for you the title is amazing um like i said I, i'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the next issue tomorrow and uh, i guess i want the next one's probably the most messed up of all of them i do some things in there that uh, we'll see how people take it but uh excellent yeah, it's pretty not nuts well I, I love the pitch and the idea and um i i hope more people go check it out and uh, I just want to say thank you for spending time chatting with me and 
You bet. You. Yeah, let's uh, let's catch up again soon. Maybe when we get closer to the end of your series, I'd love to talk to you again and just talk to you more about that title and how it's gone. Oh, totally. I'd love to. Uh, yeah, it's kind of you don't really get the full. Uh, you don't really see what it's the whole thing until uh, later. It sort of keeps opening up into different weirder places. So hopefully it'll be uh, a nice one cohesive piece at the end. Beautiful. Well, I'll. Um in a few months, the virus will be all gone. I'll come up and see you. I'll bring a bottle of whiskey. We can talk about the comedy. That's good. <laughs> That'll do it. Well, well, thank you very much, Steve, and um, I'll, I'll chat with you. Uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and yeah, thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>